Hey, you've got a great interview coming up with Dan Hill. But before I do that, I want to talk about Right Networks because these are for forward-thinking CPA firms, accounting professionals, and small business executives who want to move into the cloud because that's where it's at, man. The cloud, the cloud, the cloud. So Right Network is the only partner to help you transform your business by getting your current accounting-based desktops, that's on-premises and SaaS applications, into the cloud because of their proven technology. They've got great support and commitment to helping their customers access growth opportunities. So learn more about Right Networks and call them right now at 1888. That's 1888. There we go. 38740-8851. And you get a 10% off discount just by mentioning all business. Hey, pretty good. I'm saving you money and you didn't even know it. So make sure you get a hold of them before May 1st because the offer ends. Or, you know, reach out to me. So, hey, up on this show, I had a great, great discussion with Dan Hill. Now, Dan has been around this business for a long time. He's been trusted by world leaders, thought leaders, CEOs, celebrities to help him build, defend, and repair brands because we know we've got a lot of brands out there that are broken. In fact, he talks about, what was it that I really like was malpractice in this area. That's a good term that he's kind of quoted. So I want you to listen for the malpractice of being done by all these different brands that are out there and what they need to do to repair their reputation. And we know there are a ton of these companies. We're talking about Facebook and we're talking about Uber and Chipotle and some bigger ones that we'll be visiting. You see them on New York. You hear about them about New, on New York Times, USA Today, you know, Today's Show, everywhere. And we've got them right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Welcome, Dan Hill. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. So, Dan, my first question, does Mark Zuckerberg have a huge target on his back right now? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Holy moly. He does. And unfortunately, they've done everything wrong God. in the way they've handled the situation, which is all too familiar. They, You see it with major brands every day, Pepsi, United, and now Facebook. It's Uber. It's amazing that these uh, global companies just can't get it right. Well, why can't they get it right? Look, I've been, you know, I've been a chief marketing officer of a Fortune 100 company, and I know that when we screwed up, it, I just got on it and said, "Hey, we screwed up." I mean, we, 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 excuse my language, we fucked up. And basically, when you do that, I think, I think people will give you a pass. You know, if you keep doing it, they won't give you a pass for long. But I, you know, truly. There's no doubt about Facebook has had this history of invading your privacy for a long time. All right. I, I mean, they've been waiting about it. You know, like even remember years ago, a couple of years ago, they said, hey, we own your photos. You don't. Right. You know, so I don't think that there's nothing new here. It's just the way I think they've handled it. Right. It's not it's nothing new in terms of their I think he didn't even didn't even say, Dan, that you signed the agreement, folks. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I think the it sounds easier sometimes than it is to achieve because you think even as a CEO, yeah. I'm just going to come forward and we're going to own this. But then you walk into your general counsel's office and they say, no, we can't do that because 
saying we're sorry means that we're admitting that we did something wrong, and that's going to create all kinds of risk profiles. And then you start thinking about regulators and other stakeholders. And before long, you have a lot of people whispering in your ear that you can't take that approach. And so it takes leaders who have conviction and a sense of timing and also have a team around them that understands how to manage these things. And unfortunately, in my world, there's a lot of malpractice. I guess I'm fortunate for the people who receive the malpractice counseling, fortunate for me because I get to pick up the pieces. Oh, you got a lot of business right now. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot yeah. of those brands, Chipotle and Uber, and we can keep making a long list because there's we can do it. We can do more than one show on this, which I think would actually be kind of interesting. Because there's a lot of lessons to be learned, you know. And you know, you you say all those people that are whispering. I the one there's two there that that whisper a lot. Now certainly the legal counsel, chief counsel, but your sales team's whispering pretty heavy, you know, because that's. It's it's killing. It's got to be killing their sales. And then and then the other one is is really the IR team, the investor relations team, because it's killing their stock, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. And some of this stuff is counterintuitive. Uh, the and that's why there is a lot of malpractice in the Facebook case. I think that Mark and Cheryl their their miscalculation was an issue of timing. They should have come forward a lot sooner. And if they had come come forward sooner, this is what companies fail to recognize is that they wouldn't have necessarily had to apologize. They could have taken ownership in different ways. They could have communicated what their values are and why they have fallen short in terms of their values and communicate what their best practices are going forward and how they're going to fix it. The problem is that these are like slow cooker crises. Mm -hmm. So all the ingredients got added to the pot. It built up over time. And then when you release the lid and let all that pressure out and put your CEO in front of it at that point, it's too late. I almost think that it's it's a bit of a contrarian view, but I might argue that they waited so long that they may not it may not have been right to put Mark out at this point. Oh, I wouldn't have put Mark. I would have staged people over a period yeah, of time. Yeah, exactly. I would have started with some lower level stuff. And here's here's one of the reasons I say this, Dan. I'm a former PR guy, former political campaign guy as well. And I've always lived by the philosophy, and this is especially in corporate world, and you see if I'm wrong or right, but I've always said in crisis, in most, not just in crisis, but in most things in corporate, always put one person between you and harm's way. Now, and yes. and I say that not to say put blame on anyone, but that you always have a way to escalate it. But when you put your CEO, you got nowhere to go. I mean, yeah. Exactly. And now he's opened himself up to being the person who testifies in front of Congress or the parliament or the EU. And you just never get away with it. It, it was the same criticism I had for Mary yep. Barra yep. at GM during their crisis. I just thought that they needed to have a senior executive run that so that she could focus on the GM of today and the future rather than having to constantly get dragged into the GM of yesterday. Yeah, I can't remember the gentleman's name. He's now head of GM for or not GM, but uh, I think one portion of GM, he sat right behind her. I, I actually had him on a television show that I did for Cadillac for Bloomberg. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but you could in those hearings, you could see him right behind right. her left shoulder. And then he would be the one whispering in her ear every once in a while when those questions got a little tough. So he should have been the guy. I can't remember his name right off the top. A very talented guy, by the way, very talented guy. So it's kind of interesting because they kind of box themselves into a corner. I mean, to me, they've been like this all along. Why do you think it just, you know, it blew up so heavy? 
Well, I think, again, they were probably getting bad advice. I think they waited too long and the pressure cooker had got reached a point to where the lid was going to come off one way or the other. And the problem with that is that even if you take an active measure to put yourself at the forefront at that point, no one's buying it because they just feel like you are now responding to all the criticism. So they, they're kind of in a no-win situation. Oh. And the best they can do at this point is is mitigate risk, which is never how you want to handle a crisis. It should be about there's no value for you there. Yeah. I mean, you're just you're playing defense, not offense. But I mean, on the offensive side, Dan, do you think they should have they should have come out months and months ago saying this is this is how your data is being used or educate? I mean, how would you have how would you have told them or what would you have told them to do? I'm big on setting values that are known and by consumers and stakeholders and really leaning into those because they can be broad. I'm going to change the brand and use United for a second. United had multiple crises in a row. They had the young women who were denied access to the plane. Then they had the gentleman who was forcibly removed. And in both of those instances, they started talking about policies. Yeah. They're, they're like, here's our policy. And this is why they were denied. And this is why he was removed when all they had to do is go to their own website. And on their website, they didn't have to go straight to we apologize. They could have said our number one value is we fly friendly. And we didn't fly friendly today. And we're going to get to the bottom of that. And we're going to figure mm -hmm. out why. And we're going to set forward policies to make sure we don't make the same mistake in the future. Facebook should be doing more of the same, stating to its consumers, its stakeholders, its users, what its values are as it goes to their privacy and how they manage the, their audience. And really lean into that as opposed to trying, because in their world with privacy and cybersecurity and so forth. It's such a moving target every day. It's hard to set guidelines that stick for longer than a few weeks. Yeah, that makes it tough. Well, listen, let me take a quick break and I want to come back and I want to ask you about another company and, and then get into some of the biggest mistakes brands do make around reputation, not just these brands. And then some of them that had the biggest comebacks. I'd like to talk about that a little bit too. So I want to, I want to talk about valuable assets because that's where your brand is your value. It's a valuable asset. I mean, your brand is your promise delivered. So, but we spend so much money in different ways and invest in so many unimportant things. It's time that I had asked that many of you to start investing in your most valuable asset and that's it's you and me, ourselves. So I really encourage my fellow sweet sweeters to check out Elytra Health, okay? E-L-I-T-R-A, Elytra Health. Uh, you can visit them at elytrahealth.com and schedule an appointment. And here's what you want to do, because these guys, I've talked about this numerous times in my show, this is where I go and get a very comprehensive, you know, experience in the medical side where they test me on everything. I go in there, I went in there in the morning, left there about three o'clock in the afternoon. I spent two and a half hours sitting with my doctor after all the tests and he went through everything things that this is what you got to work on. I talked to physiologists and so now I'm exercising uh, more regularly. When I say more, it's more than once a week. <laughs> and then I'm eating better. I'm trying my best. And so those are the things you do. And it was really, really, I mean, where's, where, where do you ever get the chance to visit with a doctor for a couple hours and get all your tests done in one place all together? It was done. It was great. So go visit Elytra health.com. It's in downtown Manhattan, right in the financial district. You can't miss it. So, hey, I'm talking with Daniel Hill, founder and CEO of Hill Impact. I mean, he's a big wig on, in DC and he helps brands from all over the world, making sure they're doing things the right way and being reputable. So give me, let's talk a little bit about Uber. I saw a recent article you wrote that said, Travis has changed. I can't believe that. 
Oh, I don't know that that's what I said. Oh, I thought you said that. I yeah. thought that you said that, that he had changed. Okay, okay. That, yeah. I don't think this guy can change. So good. What's, so let's talk no, about what did no, you no, say? No. What did you say? I wrote a column for Newsweek about Uber's culture. And I think what I was, the point I was making is that Uber started as a disruptor. And when you look at the types of problems they're facing today, it's because they still subscribe to that disruptor philosophy, which is what got them to a certain point, but they had no plan to transition into being an operations company. And so they continue to make the same mistakes over and over, a disregard for regulators and policymakers, and it's creating more challenges for them than necessary. And then you're also seeing it in their workplace culture. And so, no, I don't think he's changed at all. In fact, I I was pretty outspoken that I think okay. I thought the company needed to move away from him. Well, I just read the headline, so I apologize. I should yeah. I, I got bu- I got busted there. So that's, no that's okay. At least I'm being honest and upfront about it, right? So there we go. See, there you go. That's what you got to do. I know. I live my brand. I mean, I, I I saw the headline and I'm going like, hell, he's a, this guy. I've met Travis. He's never going to freaking change. And and these yeah. guys keep rough riding over everybody. And you're, yes. that's exactly what you said. So that's an interesting thing. Are, are, you know, can, can a brand really change? Can it, can it overcome these things and really get to a point where they're not as bad as their reputation has, has or at least the, the image of what their reputation is? Because I don't think sometimes that's their reputation. I, you know, I don't think United truly goes out of their way to, you know, to beat the hell out of people or to yeah. get bad experiences. I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think any airlines like that, quite frankly. You know, our main the main thing is to do it right and give a good service and get us there safely. Now we should do it nicely. That's a good thing. But I mean, can brands overcome that? Sure. Sure, they can overcome it. There's two things. I mean, the Uber example is a culture issue and brands need to really recognize the transition points in their business. Like Uber needed to recognize at some point we're going to get to a acceptable place in terms of our business plan, we're going to have to transition to being operating company. They didn't plan for it and it created problems. But Toyota is an example of a brand that really went through a yo-yo experience. They were the most reputable brand in the world in terms of safety and reliability. And then they went through a terrible period of being trashed on both of those fronts. And now I don't think anyone would consider Toyota to be in that same period, I think they've reclaimed a lot of their yeah. brand over time. So it's certainly doable if you do it right. So, but that shows that you can overcome a hiccup. You, it's, it shows you can overcome in more than just a hiccup because the Toyota thing, it actually, it looked as though they were the ones behind it or caused it. And in the end, I think it was turned out to be somebody else, right? I, I believe that was the case. That's part of it, yeah. but they made some mistakes along the way. Volkswagen, on the other hand. <laughs> go, I'm laughing, laughing. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, that, that one's going to take a while. And one of the things I've developed, this crisis scoring algorithm, and it's based on a lot of different factors, but one of them is goodwill. Mm. And Toyota had a lot of goodwill. The interesting thing about that, though, is there is a anomaly, and it's part of what we see with Donald Trump. There's this expectation anomaly. So GM and Toyota had very big safety crises, both of them. GM has a lot more of a history of poor service, poor safety, poor quality, but yet Toyota suffered a lot more. So the it kind of throws out the window what people have been teaching for years about this halo effect that brands get from having goodwill. So Toyota suffered in the short term, but they recovered in the long term. Mm-hmm. 
and that's where that the buoyancy of their good brand and reputation uh, came into effect. But we live in a society right now where you're in the spotlight and people love to point out all of our mistakes. And if you're honest and you have good values and you handle it right, you are going to recover because every brand's going to suffer that. We're in a much more, I would call it the age of transparency. You know, for a long yes. time, brands could hide behind their advertising because there wasn't the social, there wasn't, I mean, it's always been there. You always knew that was there, but you never had a voice to be able to talk about it or to do it as, as consumers or individual people have today. And so what, what was a, what could have been a small, mistake could be a big thing, you know, right now and much more than it's ever been. So, so let me tell you, you mentioned Trump. So what about Sean Spicer? Yeah. Here was a guy that got got kicked pretty hard, who stood up and, and took it took it in the chin and everywhere else, quite frankly, for Trump, and then kind of got dismissed. And then, you know, he's, he's rebuilding now. Do you think he's going to redeem himself? I, and I know Sean, and I hate to say this, but I just, I really don't yeah. think so. I don't think in any kind of substantial way, because his problem is that either he was behind Trump and was saying everything that he was, he believed, or he was lying. Yeah. And both of those are going to be tough. And as a spokesperson, you are the liaison for the media to the administration. And maybe times have changed a bit, but he burned so many bridges that it's hard to be an effective communicator with the media when no one in the media respects you. And I think it's maybe he can do it. The appearance he had at the Golden Globes or the Emmys, I can't mm -hmm. remember which it was, did not work to his favor. I think it, the timing was tough. So what well, and Harvard hasn't really embraced him. So we'll see. I hope he does, but it's going to take a lot of work. Has Huckleby done a better job of that? Sarah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, she's a ferocious defender of the president. So she's... Let's take that as her job. But I think she does a better job of phrasing the things where she doesn't get her ass in trouble, right? Yeah, she's 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 not trying to have it both ways. I think Sean wanted to maintain his likability and be buddy buddy with the media, which he had always been up to that point, and also you know work for his boss, the president. And it was a tough position that he couldn't navigate. She seems to be all in and what her role is. And yeah, I mean, to me, do you remember the remember during the the first Gulf War, the the guy that was Saddam Hussein's spokesperson. All yes, right. And, yes. you, and you know where I'm going with this one. And when we were right in Baghdad and he's standing there going, what? We're not, we're, no one's taking Baghdad. There is, we, we, we have control of Baghdad. And right then you see coalition tanks going behind him on the camera, right? And American troops going by him. And he's just like standing. That, that reminds me a little bit of Sean where he was just taking the line so much. And when everybody knows, it's like, give me a break. It's not even close to being true. Yeah. Right. I think the job of a spokesperson is very tough because especially if you have any kind of incongruity between you and your, your boss. And I think there was some of that and that put him in a tough position. But our firm, for example, and me, we only work for people we believe in. And so I'm never in that predicament of having to negotiate a doing my job or B doing what I can feel good about. Yeah, which makes it tough. So let's talk about. So what's it take to make a brand have a really great reputation? I mean, what's the what are the key key ingredients to that? I think it's it's um, having strong values. I hate yep. to keep coming back to that, but really knowing 
why you exist and what your mission is and sticking to it. I think consistency and people knowing that they can rely on you. And you don't always have to be the best if you're consistent and people know exactly what they're getting when they do business with you. And I think it's also having a team of people who embrace and get behind that brand. It's not just a job, but it's something they really believe in. And that will go a long way to making sure that your brand holds up. But something I've been talking about a lot lately is living brands that we used to build these static, shiny brands that we put up on display and we do everything to keep them polished and protected and so forth. I think brands today need to be more mobile and adaptable. And it's that willingness to say we need to pivot or we need to transition here and not get so not don't fall in love with what you originally created so much that you can't adapt. Yeah, I think well I I wrote, you know, I my my big theme in my last book was change adapt or die and I think brands really have to adhere to that right now. And in, in everything, processes, people, the way we go to market, everything. So, hey, let me let me take a quick break and then I want to come back on and talk about some of the biggest comebacks maybe and and maybe some of the biggest non-comebacks that have ever occurred. And and speaking of values, I want to talk about my good friends at Right Networks cuz this episode is brought to you by Right Networks. They help small businesses move their QuickBooks desktop to the cloud so you can work from anywhere and enjoy the added security of keeping your financial files backed up on the cloud. Look, folks, I've done that. And I'm sure every business out there in the world's done this. You've lost everything at one point. You know, somebody lost their laptop, left in the cab. You lost the hard drive, you know, on the the one main unit that you had. So this is important. You got to have this in the cloud now. And it's secure. It's right. It's right. That's why they're called Right Networks. So they have a 100,000 users right now that have used the cloud-enabled QuickBooks desktop. So get cloud-connected the right way. So learn more about how to give Right Networks. by Just give them a call at 1-888-740-8851 for a special 10% off discount. Make sure you mention all business. This offer ends May 1st, so you got a couple weeks to make it happen. So, And if you didn't get that number, it's 888-740-8841. Or call me, write me, tweet me, and we'll give it to you. So, so Dan, I'm talking to Dan Hill, founder and CEO of Hill Impact, works with a lot of brands, works with a lot of companies, works with a lot of people on reputation and making sure they get their act together. So who do you think it can make the biggest brand comeback? You think Chipotle can make it? Yeah, I've commented on them so much. It's just one that they seem to not learn lessons every time. I think that's the thing I tell so many of my clients and others is that every brand's going to suffer a crisis. It's it's going to happen. It's how you recover from it, and a, a crisis can actually be beneficial if you do it right. I don't know about them. They've they've had so many issues over a protracted amount of time, and I don't follow their stock price enough to know see if it's actually recovered. But Dan, is it? See, to me, when I hear things like you know, like Uber, I think Uber's you know problems. You talked about it, but it's also just a, the arrogance of the leadership. And I think Chipotle's kind of like that. And I don't know them that well. It just seems to me like they've been young people who got into business, did a fairly good job, and now they believe that they've got they got the story inside the company. They're so fucking good. And no matter what they do, when they put out their queso sauce and people right. don't like it, they don't react. And they said, well, you people don't know what the hell you're doing. You know, you don't know good queso sauce. Like, no, I, I know good sauce if I like it. If you don't, And you're making some I don't like, so you should pay attention to it. So is it arrogance? I think it is. 
Yes, yeah. it is. It's it's totally. And they put out a memo even internally about how to respond to the and none of it had to do with listening to consumers. Yeah. So it is that is an arrogant. It's almost like a, they're they're playing a game. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Let's just see how good we are. Let's see how much we can overcome. And people don't like our product. Well, let's let's show them that they actually yeah. do. And stockholders don't like sport. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to watch companies like that where they're so arrogant about who they are. I, I just I love the audacity of some CEOs and some people who just do it right and just you know I I love that and I don't see that with these kinds of guys. I mean people love them. Do you, who else do you think has made a big comeback? Who who really screwed up and then came back? Well, Starbucks has had a number of flare ups over the mm-hmm. years, and they have such brand equity that they've absorbed a lot of their issues and Apple kind of the same. Those are just such iconic brands. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Nike over the next mm. few months. They've been hit with the Me Too issues in recent weeks. So it'll, I'll, I'm inter- they're making some moves and it'll be interesting to see how responsive people are to mm. those. Think Harvey Weinstein can come back? I don't think so. There's some, you know, and that's where a lot of the malpractice in my profession comes from is they you have these communicators, PR people who think that they are like lawyers and everyone's entitled to a good brand and reputation. There's some people who just aren't and Harvey Weinstein's one of them. So I, I don't see Should him. Just go away. Maybe there's some good he can do in the world, mm-hmm. but it's not it's not going to be things that are beneficial to his corporate interest. So who do you think that we haven't mentioned that we should kind of say, hey, uh, put on our radar for let's watch and see how they react? I think Nike's one. I think it, I think the rest of the Trump administration is going to be really interesting to see. I, I think people have such a low expectation is why they he's able to get away with mm-hmm. so much. And it's hard for people to have rational conversations around that. And that K- KFC's had a few things internationally uh, recently, and I, I think they've done a pretty good job using both advertising and social media to recover. So yeah, I, but you know this whole you know this whole commercial series they have with the with the colonel. I don't think they can ever recover. In yes. My opinion, I just I think those are the worst commercials I think I've ever. And there's some of some of them are downright creepy. Quite frankly, I just I mean I love KFC. I love Yum Brands. I I love them as a company because they've been able to recreate the American dream or success around the world with the franchising model they've had. But I really truly can't stand that that ad side. Just don't like it. Well, that's more in your world than my bait. Who's creepier, the Burger King guy or the KFC Colonels? I'd have to say the Burger King. Yeah, I have to say that. <laughs> just, just you know, at least I can identify. I liked Reba. I thought Reba did a nice job. Yeah, I thought yeah. she did a good job. But the other ones, I was like, God, it just doesn't. I was first of all, I was trying to figure out who they were. That's, but that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Right. So, well, here we are talking about them, though. So maybe. Well, there's value, and there's always value in talking about them, but. The key thing is whether it adds value. I thought that was a really, you know, you said something. You said, I hate always talking about values. Why would you say that you hate talking about values when I think that's probably the biggest thing that companies should spend more time on? I agree. I just, I I hate being a broken record. I I think it's what people need. You know, an interesting one that happened just this week was Heineken pulled that ad that Chance the Rapper called Mm -hmm. him out on as being racist. And he actually asked a great question on Twitter. Is Heineken doing this because they want people to talk about them and create a stir? And I don't think brands like Pepsi or Heineken 
or Dove purposely put out for uh, ads to create controversy? No, I think I think somebody like Trump does. Yes, I think I think without question, he, he you know I personally said like the whole Kafafi thing. I think he set a, a, a bed at night. He either two it was either two things. One, he fell asleep and he hit the keys and he fell asleep and it went out. Okay. That's one. Yeah. Or he just says, and I, because I, I know him and, and I respect him. You can, you can say whether you respect him or not. It's a different thing, but I respect him for how he's done it and the way he's done it to get to where he's at without question. Right. And because it's been effective. But I also think he's sitting, I think he said at home one night and he goes, you know, I could write Kafafi and those fucking people would talk about it for three days, you know, <laughs> and, and he did. And that's because I just know that's the kind of comment he would do. So yeah, it's interesting. I don't think, no, big brands don't, don't go out of their way to create controversy for people to talk about them. It usually comes by an accident. Yes, especially when it's related to something like race yeah. issues. There's just no way they're going out yeah. of their way to create a controversy on that. All right. Or, or it's just straight malpractice, as you said. I like that word. Did yeah. you, You've kind of coined that word, have you? Uh, for my field, yes. And, it, and there, it's abundant. Yeah. Well, it keeps you employed. That's for sure. Well, listen, Dan, I got to tell you, it's been a pleasure. It went by fast. We got to have you back. We're going to, we're going to have to have you back. We're going to have to do a, like a quarterly or yearly review of brands. I think that'd be fun. I'd love to do it with you. All right. Thanks. This has been Dan Hill with me today talking about uh, reputations and all things good and bad when it comes to brands. And you've been hearing it right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thanks, Dan. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. Okay, what a great interview. I, I'm going to have this guy back so we can talk about this a little bit more where we have a little like rundown on all the brands, like a who's up and who's down kind of thing. I like that. Maybe get a, ooh, we use the Facebook since Facebook's been in trouble. Thumbs up, thumbs down. How about that? So I'm going to talk a little bit about Liberty Tax. I love Liberty Tax. You guys know them. The gig economy is booming here in the United States. In fact, by the t- year 2020, 40% of all American workers will be freelancers. You're going to need some taxes, my friends. You're going to need to know how to do it. So in many gig economies, you might be unaware of your tax responsibilities. So the professional Liberty Tax are there to help. So they've got over 4,000 locations across the U.S. and Canada. Liberty Tax preparers can help anyone working as a freelancer get the most accurate return guaranteed. So for the office nearest you, check out visitlibertytax.com. And by the way, if you're a freelancer and you're doing all this business, you better get styling. You know what I'm saying? So you better check out Institu, I-N-S-T-I-C-H-U. Institute you because I love these guys as a sponsor because they make me look good. So I got custom made shirts, custom made jackets, custom made pants, custom tailored menswear for the modern gentleman. Sorry, ladies, I apologize that we don't have anybody for you, you know, there. But look, guys need all the help they can get, and Institute you will give them the perfect gear fit guarantee. And we're talking about suits starting at four ninety nine and shirts at eighty nine dollars. So go go visit them, Institute you. They're right online, and you'll know more about. So, hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about the things I learned and I love. We got back to my old theme, change, adapt, or die. 
brands can't just stay static anymore. You, you got to change. You got to move. You got to keep up. And then you have to practice what I call radical transparency. And just when you screw up, you screw up and say it. People give it to you, but you got to live the brand because a brand is a promise delivered. There you go. So it's another reminder of us doing it right. And that's what we learned right here on All Business. And talk about doing it right. Don't forget to tell your friends about listening in. I would love that. We'd love to have more people listening right here on All Business, which Jeffrey has it right here on C-Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.